I don't, I don't know what your weeks are like, but I, I find myself, I mean, obviously Sundays come quick if you're a preacher. They come faster than any other day. But I, I find myself lost in thought during the week, wondering what God's going to do on Sunday. You know, I have this, this anticipation, and I, and I wonder if that's the same for you. Are you anticipating coming to church? Are you anticipating gathering as a family and seeing what the Lord's doing in our midst? I, a little insight into kind of my world. So I, I try, for the last probably three or four years, I try to build a preaching calendar. So it's exactly what it sounds like. I build a spreadsheet, even though I'm not a spreadsheet person. I build a spreadsheet and I take time and I pray. And I pray and I'm writing down thoughts and praying through and as you've come to know, I preach in series because that keeps me on track. And so as the Lord sort of starts to download series ideas, I jot them in and, and mark them on the calendar and pray through how many weeks we'll look at this. And, and this past summer, sort of the, the time in between Lakefield and Northview, the Lord was really faithful to me and just downloaded this path of sermon series. And so it was the gift, so I put it all in my spreadsheet so I knew where I was going, and I knew. I knew we were starting in James. I knew we were doing Revive Us. I knew we were looking at the kingdom. I know what we're doing for Advent. I know what we're doing in January. I know what I'm preaching all the way through till Easter and beyond. And God has never given me all the weeks. So it's this gift. But what I didn't know, what I couldn't see in those days of prayer, working on my spreadsheet, was how it wove together. How one flew, flowed into the other, and then the next one, and the next one. And so now we have gathered and we are going to look at the kingdom of God for the next three weeks. And what does it mean to be citizens in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? I'm in awe of how the spirit is moving in our midst. And I'm so grateful to those of you who reach out to me during the week and say, hey, this is what the Lord's doing in my life. This is how he's using what's happening Sunday mornings throughout the week. And we see a transformation happening. But our transformation can't just be in this building. God is transforming us so that we can be in the world as living proof, as witnesses to his death and resurrection. So what is it? What does kingdom life now look like? How do we go on this journey until he comes and gets us? 
So my, my question is, is how did we get here? And I don't mean how did you get to church today? I don't even mean how did Northview become your home or how did you end up joining us online today? I mean, as a human race, how did we get here? Because maybe you don't know, but it's a mess out there. And it gets messier every day. So how did we get here? So there was this time before the world was created. There was time, I don't know what it looked like, but there was time when there was a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect relationship, in perfect community. And at some point, they, God, created heavenly beings. These creatures that we know as angels. And they were created to worship God and have communion with God and they live with God. All before he spoke this world into existence. So there's this community with the triune God and his heavenly creatures. And the most beautiful of his creation was an angel named Lucifer. And Lucifer tended to the throne room. The most beautiful of all God's creation. And I, I don't know what transpired. We're not given all the details. But Lucifer made a decision that he wanted to be worshipped. That he no longer wanted to be subject to authority. And so he rebelled. In God's kingdom... This created being decided that, you know what, Yahweh, I want your job. And somehow, he convinced a third, a third of God's creation, of those angels, to rebel against Yahweh. And Yahweh kicked them out. And that beautiful creation who wanted to take worship for himself is now known as Satan. And he has his own kingdom, his own dominion. See, this group of rebellious heavenly beings became the opposing force to Yahweh. The opposing force to his goodness, to his compassion, to his unfailing love. And now there is this dueling of kingdoms opposite in nature. There is a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. And they seem to be warring it out all the time. But I need you to hear this. It's important. Well, they are opposite 
in their agenda. They are not equal in power. The kingdom of darkness looks strong. The kingdom of darkness can mock and mimic the kingdom of light. But darkness cannot overcome light. Light will always overcome darkness. See, and then there was this moment with dueling kingdoms that this beautiful God that we serve said, let there be light. And the world as we know it, the creation as we know it, began to be made. A man and a woman made from dust and a rib, stamped in the image of God. Human beings, not like angels, created in the image of the creator. But see, it didn't take long for the kingdom of darkness to encroach on God's new creation. See, Satan was ready and waiting with his minions of rebellion, seeking worship for himself. He laid in wait for the opportune time to engage the man and the woman and to simply entice them away from the one who created them. It was through the deception of the enemy that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. See, when God created the world, he said it was good. And he walked and he talked with those first humans. And he gave them instructions on how to live. And one of the great mysteries of our faith is free will. Because if we were honest, if we had the power of God, in all likelihood free will would not be something we want to give people. Because I frankly just want my kids to do what I tell them to do when I tell them to do it. Period. Anybody with me? Sometimes I just want Daryl to do what I want him to do when I ask him to do it. And he would say, and sometimes. But this triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, created us in his image and then gave us the freedom to choose him or reject him. This beautiful freedom of relationship. And, and it remains this mystery, at least to me. But there in the garden with the instructions of how to live in relationship with the Lord, Satan waited for his opportune time. And the poison of darkness entered humanity and deception and rebellion and the separation of relationship with the creator entered creation. Sin entered the world and tainted everything in it, including human DNA. We are tainted. We are corrupted. Corrupted. 
by God's enemy. See, spiritual death occurred in the first man and the first woman when they rebelled against God. And every human being since has been born into this kingdom of darkness. That's why it's such a mess. See, what remains true for you and I is that we are born into a kingdom of lies. We are born into a kingdom of deceit. We are born into a kingdom of despair. And the challenge is, is we don't see it. We are blinded by darkness. We, we think we see the light, but we don't. This world is corrupted. And while God has revealed himself through the beauty and the complexity and the majesty of creation, if you have any doubts, take a drive and look at the change of the season. You know, we, we live in this region and we are so accustomed to seeing the change. But the beauty and majesty of creation in all of the red and yellow and orange of the fall speaks to the creator. And yet, in spite of all of that, the enemy works diligently to keep our eyes off of God and fixed on ourselves. See, the plan from the kingdom of darkness is not even to just make you an evil, ugly human being. The plan is simply to deny Yahweh of what he wants. And what he wants is you. What he wants is a relationship with you. What he wants is for you to know how much he loves you. What he wants is to pour out his blessing on you. What he wants is to make you like Jesus, to make you who he created you to be. But his enemy wants to rob him and take that. And so we live in a world of darkness. The enemy is steadfastly keeping humans in the shadows, feeding the desire of our selfish ambition, elevating us, thinking that we are better than we really are, telling us that we're good people. And then there's this moment that happens. And it's a dreadful day for the kingdom of darkness. It's that moment where the blinders are ripped away. A day when the haze of the enemy's hold begins to shift. And our eyes are open to the fact that there has to be more to life than this. That where that longing in your heart begins to beckon for home. 
where there's this moment where you think, you know what? I think I was made for something other than this. See, if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're already a citizen of the other kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of God. But there was a time where you had to be saved from the kingdom of darkness. There was a moment where your eyes were opened and and maybe, maybe you were born into a Christian family. You know, maybe you spend many of your days and nights sleeping in church pews. Maybe you can run through the church in the dark blindfolded because you know every nook and cranny. But even if that's your story, there was a day where you had to see the truth not only of who you are, but of who he is. In a day where you had to choose for yourself and recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior. See, when we begin to see and to recognize that this world is a mess, And perhaps the gift of the continued messiness is that it's making us ask questions. It's beginning to make us think there has to be something more. It can't keep spiraling out of control. See, there's a yearning of the spirit to open our eyes to let us see Jesus in all of his glory and all of his majesty. And it is in this battle between these two kingdoms, the kingdom led by God's enemy who wants to rob Yahweh of all of his glory and all of his majesty, and the kingdom of God's reign. And you and I were born right into the clash of the kingdoms. Our entire globe sits in the epicenter of the clash of the kingdoms. See, the enemy doesn't care if he has you for himself. He just doesn't want you to belong to God. And not only does God want you for himself. He wants you to know the wholeness and completeness that he's created you to be. Have you ever asked yourself why are the lies easier to buy than the truth? I read this illustration. It says, on a dark and stormy night, a gang of thieves broke into a jewelry store, but they were on a different kind of mission. They didn't steal anything. But they carefully went around the whole shop and switched out all the price tags. Then they left. The next day, the staff came in, and because the thieves had been so careful, nobody noticed that that they had even been there. 
Customers came in and were spending huge amounts of money on cheap junk. While others were paying pittance for jewelry worth thousands of dollars. Someone switched the tags. Do you not feel that in this world somebody switched the tags? That we are being told what is true is a lie, and we are being told that lies are the truth. Do you ever feel like you are being told that the values of this world, the values of the kingdom of darkness, because see, what we have to understand is that this world, whether we believe it or not, is governed by the kingdom of darkness. God's enemy influences the world. God's enemy influences the world systems. And he has the power to do so. Please don't think that he just wants you to be a mass murderer. Or a thief or a criminal. He just wants you to not know how loved you are by Yahweh. He just wants you to not Step in to the destiny you were created for. He doesn't care if you're moral. He doesn't care if you have ethics. He just does not want you to worship the king of kings. See, we are living in this world that is telling us That what we know to be good is bad. We are living in a world that says that all life is equal and yet we don't see it. We know that life is not valued from the womb to the tomb. But we're not to question it. Because all life matters. But that's not what's practiced, is it? See, we, we feel uncomfortable in this world because this world, loved ones, is not our home. If you know Jesus, this is not your home. And if you are feeling unsettled in this world and uncomfortable... Is because you, like me, were created for a person and a place. You were created for God himself. And you were created to live in unity and community with your creator. And so the tension you feel, the uncomfortableness you feel is because of this. This world governed by his enemy is not your home. You really were made for more than this. So what does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven today? It's really simple. It means a new life. It means a new identity. And it means a new kingdom.
that's what's being offered. As Christians, as those who have come to this place of faith and they know Jesus, we, we get the new life, born of the Spirit. We get the new identity. But we tend not to understand the new kingdom. We tend to live no differently than the world around us. See, living in the kingdom of God means living in the exact opposite spirit of the world. To be nonconformists, if you will. And for those of you who are secretly rebellious in nature and you're nonconformists, you already know how hard that is. But we're being asked and called to be nonconformist to the world around us, to live in the opposite. That means living loving, living forgiving, living generously. Now, if we're going to be really honest with each other, being called to be, you know, loving and forgiveness and generous feels like you get the short, at a short end of the stick a lot, doesn't it? I, I, I sit with kids and, you know, two, two parties. It takes two parties to mess about, but one gets caught. And you sit with a, you sit with a kid and they say, but they did that. I, I wasn't a popular mom when I said to my kids, I don't care what the other person did, tell me what you did. What was your role? But, but they did it first. It doesn't matter if they did it first. What did you do? Now your job is to seek forgiveness. Your job is to forgive. And, and you guys are probably way more saintly than me. And, and if you have me... Don't elevate me because, man, I don't like having to be the one that forgives sometimes. I, I really find it hard when I have been, I, I've been an innocent party and something terrible has happened to me or I've been misrepresented or I've been accused of something. I just want to be mad at people. And I, I want to feel the right to be mad. <sighs> Except. See, there was this moment in my life where Jesus showed up and, and showed me who he was. There was this moment where he, he saw the mess of me and said, I love you. And I want you for myself. And I said, yes. And his spirit moved in. And he changed my thinking and he changed my heart. But who I once was, I have muscle memory of that. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember who you once were? 
that old nature? I have, I have muscle memory of my entitlement. I have, I have muscle memory of feeling I, I deserve every good thing. I have muscle memory of thinking that when bad things happen to me, I should be the exception. Bad things shouldn't be allowed to touch my life because look how good I am. That's not how it works. See, when I was plucked out, when I was literally saved from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, the Lord said, now, Crystal, I'm going to transform you bit by bit. To look more and more like my son. To look more like the one whose image you were created in. See, it feels like when we are called to live in the opposite, that we're getting the short end of the stick. Do you ever feel like it looks like sin is prospering all around you? Like the kingdom of darkness is winning? Daryl, can I give you that? See, the scripture says it lays it out perfectly, and Jesus lived it out that life in the opposite is life in the spirit. A life that is lived. In the spirit is a life removed from death and darkness. And it's a life that is lived according to the kingdom of God. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 6. Verses 27 to 31. And you know these verses. This is Jesus talking and he says... But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone, takes what does not be- if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So please hear me. This is not saying submit to abuse. It is really important that you hear me this morning. This is not... Submit to abuse. You are valued and you are loved. And you are not to be abused. 
This is about living in the spirit. This is about living like Jesus. So I want to ask you a question. Do you have a life verse? See, often, anybody? Do you have a life verse? So some people have a Bible verse that the Lord has, has given to them along the road of life. And they hold on to it. It's, we call them our life verse. Now I want to ask you something. If you have a life verse, do you live it out? If your life verse is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a future. Do you live that out every day? Do you live out trusting that God not only has this afternoon in his hands, but he has tomorrow and next week, next year? Do you walk it out in faith? The passage we just read. Loving your enemies. Praying for those who hurt you. Doing to others what you would want done for you. Do you live it out? I, I want you to take a minute. Think about something that has injured you. See, we're really good at holding on to this stuff, right? Are you quick to forgive the person who harmed you a long time ago? Have you been able to let go of ugly words spoken over you? See, forgiving people who have disappointed us, forgiving people that have hurt us, this is a hard thing to do. And yet it's the call. I want you to hear my heart. And I don't mean to sound trite or condescending, but I am simply more and more convinced with every passing moment that there is more to this life than having a ticket punched for heaven. That there's more to this life than just simply being set apart and rescued from the kingdom of darkness to come together all the time with like-minded people. We've been rescued for a purpose. See, Jesus talks about us being salt and light to the world around us. I wonder... I wonder what this world would look like if we took serious our citizenship in heaven. If we took serious the call to forgive, the call to love, the call to serve. If we took seriously those gut-punching words from James that says, do not merely listen to the world and so deceive yourself, do what it says. See, there's this quickening in my soul that time is of the essence. We are running out of time. 
The world is getting worse. The kingdom of darkness thinks it's winning. And there is going to be a moment like a thief in the night and Jesus is. And there is going to be a moment. Where each of us are going to give an account. For how we lived this life. For how we served as kingdom citizens. We are going to give an account for whether or not we lived in the opposite. So to live in God's kingdom here and now means to welcome his rule and reign into every area of our life. We are saved from death for life. We are saved from shame for glory. We are saved from slavery for freedom. We are saved from sin for King Jesus. We are saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. And again, the scripture laid it out and Jesus lived it out. A perfect life surrendered to God. The exact opposite of the world around him. So our attention, loved ones, is even as rescued people, set apart for the glory of God, our old nature haunts us. We have an enemy that is thrilled to whisper in our ear or yell if necessary how wonderful you are. Do you know that? If what you need to hear that will keep you away from the king is that you are wonderful and beautiful and perfect, then the enemy is happy to tell you that. If you need to hear that you are worthless and unvaluable, he will happily tell you that. He doesn't care what the messaging is as long as he can keep you away from God. So, how are we going to do this? How do you and I live in the opposite? See, the Lord is going to continue to move in our midst. And as we come together, he's going to build us up and he's going to strengthen us. And he's going to grow our hearts and he's going to grow our minds and he's going to grow our faith and he's going to grow our trust. And yes, he's doing that for our good. But he's doing it so that we can go out and impact the world as living proof that we serve a resurrected king. So to live the Jesus way will always lead to supernatural results. To live in the opposite spirit means to turn this world upside down. See, the promised Messiah, the one who would deliver Israel from the hands of the enemy, was not born in a palace, but in a stable. He was not born to people of influence, but rather he was, he was implanted into the womb of a virgin. 
he was raised by a man who was not his earthly biological father. God gave himself to his creation. Announced not by royal ascent, but by a social outcast wearing camel hair, living in the wilderness, eating locust and honey. He ushered a kingdom in, not with an army, but by a group of unassuming men and women that he collected from the sidelines of life. A kingdom marked with a stone meant to seal a grave, but was ultimately rolled away because death could not hold him. Everything that was supposed to be was not. The kingdom that you and I belong to has always been a kingdom that is opposite. So I believe that it's time that we begin to rattle the chains of the kingdom of darkness. You and I all have people. We have people who are lost, who don't know the truth of how loved they are, how wanted they are. I know that we're hurt. I know that life is hard. I know that we all have stories. But the thing is, you and I have to love and not hate. And that doesn't just mean love people who we agree with. That means to love people. We need to be a people who give instead of take. Will you be taken advantage of? Maybe. But we have a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you can't hold on to what's not yours anyhow. We need to serve instead of expecting to be served. We need to be people who forgive instead of seeking revenge. We need to be a people who bless instead of condemn. Imagine the impact we could have on the world if we lived the Jesus way right now. Imagine what could change in the world around us if we began to pray blessing over businesses, over neighbors, over enemies. Now here's the thing, you can't just do it on your own. To live the Jesus way requires supernatural ability through the Holy Spirit. And it is a decision to live dead. And next week we're going to pick up right there. What does it mean to be a people who choose to live dead? Because this is not your life. It's his life through you. And so in the meantime, I'm going to leave you with some work. 
I'm going to ask you this week to take time before the Lord and ask him to show you if you are allowing his reign and his rule into every area of your life. Is he king over everything in your life? Loved ones, I'm asking you to step into the realm of transformation. To allow the Lord to do all of the work he needs to do on your heart and on your mind. To allow you to be fully surrendered to his rule and his reign. And if you are with us this morning... If you are online or, or here in person, you were brought here because the Lord loves you. And he wants you to know that. He wants you to know that you were caught in the middle of a war that existed long before you were born. He wants you to know that he knit you together and he loves you and he wants you to know his good and perfect love. If you do not know Jesus today, today's the invitation. An invitation to enter relationship with him. And you know why? It is so simple. It is so simple. It is, in, in church language, we call it a confession and repentance. So what do I mean? If you are joining us and you are feeling that tug in your heart, it really is a confession beginning to see that God is God and you're not. That there is someone who is separate from us, a creator of the world. And that he came to this earth to make this way for us to be in right relationship with him. He came to this earth to bring his kingdom here. And it is coming and it is yet to come. And then it's repentance. And that is simply acknowledging that you're not as good as you think you are. That in the presence of a holy God, you are a sinner. See, you're not telling the Lord anything he doesn't already know. It's about us having our eyes open and seeing the truth. That there's an enemy trying to keep us away. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning. And it's a prayer of faith. So Father God, thank you for opening my eyes to see your love for me. Lord, I need you. And today I welcome your love into my life. Please forgive me for the wrongs for this sin in my life. And today I confess that you, Jesus, are my king, you are my Lord, and you are my savior. And I pray this in your name. 
Amen. Loved ones, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, welcome home. It is the beginning of a new life with Jesus. And if you're online and you've prayed, I want to ask you to reach out. You can reach out to us here at the church. Or if you have Christians in your life, please reach out to them. Because if you have come confessing faith in Jesus today, I need you to know something. That in heaven, there are shouts of praises for you. That there is a celebration that you have been plucked from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That you have made You have been made whole and complete in Jesus. And if you are with us and you know the Lord, we're not messing about. We're not playing. We're in a war. And people are lost. And it's up to us to be living the Jesus way as proof of God's transforming love. We're not who we once were. So, loved ones, again, I want to ask you this week to do the work. Worship team, you can, you can start making your way up. See, the Lord's getting serious with us here at Northview. And I, and I hope that you are beginning to anticipate something is coming, something is here. So let's do our part. Let's make sure that as individuals, we are surrendered to the rule and reign of God in every area of our life so that he can do everything he wants to do in our midst. Amen? Let's pray. So, Father God, you are the one that speaks life to dry bones. You are the one who knit us together. You are the one who calls us by name. So here we are surrendered. Holy Spirit, speak to us throughout this week. Show us where we need to die to ourselves to be alive to you. May you have full reign in our hearts. Will you guide us this week to live in the opposite? To live in the Jesus way. Have your way in us as individuals and in us as a church this week. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.